Today, we're going to be talking about a politically controversial event. And no, we're not talking about the Bruin Republicans this time. Hello, everyone. Welcome to No Offense, the Daily Bruins' official opinion podcast, or actually one of the Daily Bruins' two official opinion podcasts. Um, my name is Keshav Thadimeti. I'm the Daily Bruins' opinion editor, and we have a lively crew with us today on this lively November 13th, Tuesday night. And uh, why doesn't everybody go around and introduce themselves? Hi, I'm Abhishek. I'm one of the opinion columnists. Hi, I'm Chris. I'm also an opinion columnist. Yes, and we are back for the school year. No offense, had a bit of a six-week hiatus, but we've been busy assembling our podcast team, and we've been revving up opinions, and I'm actually joking. Things have just been kind of busy, but we're back for the school year, and we're back to provide that wonderful opinion commentary in your feed. Today, we're going to be talking about a rather ideologically divisive event that's going to be taking place this week. It's the National Students for Justice in Palestine Conference. It's going to be hosted this week, November 16th to 18th in UCLA. The local chapter, SJP at UCLA, um, is you know, hosting this week's, this year's conference. It's sort of an annual thing that's been going on for some time. And it's been sort of causing some strong opinions and some rather emotional takes. Um, SJP is an organization that argues for humanitarian rights in Palestine. That obviously stirs up uh, controversy and disagreement with regards to the Israel-Palestine conflict. You know, pro-Israel students and uh, pro-Palestinian students have sort of been at it for years. And it looks like that's sort of manifesting itself this year for this conference. We're going to be talking today about some of the sort of interesting developments that UCLA has had with regards to this conference that's been sort of a bit divisive, even though it's not even happened yet. Um, some of the difficulties students have faced, some of the administrative action that UCLA has taken. And it's generally like, what are people's thoughts about whether this conference should go on? So just to get things started off, NSJP has framed this conference as sort of like a West Coast coalition building thing. It's meant to pay respects to sort of the West Coast advocacy to SJP chapters on the West Coast, including Berkeley and UCLA. It's it's to talk about, you know, how advocacy can be made, like what are the local goals that they could have um, as an organization? What are the actionable things they want to do in the next year or so? And what has sort of been the blowback of this conference since it's sort of been announced and whatnot. So it all kind of began back in September when the UC Regents held a meeting here at UCLA. So during the public comment section of that meeting, the Israeli-American Coalition for Action and a UCLA student spoke and they brought to the Regents' attention this conference and they mentioned how they felt that the National SJB Conference had anti-Semitic members and how the organization was basically demonizing Israel and promoting anti-Semitism. They also presented comments from comments made by what appear to be SJP members on the internet, calling for Jews to be killed and other kinds of really bad stuff, really. And sort of what happened from there, I guess, with regards to it's what November right now. So what's happened in the past or two months after that? Well, the regents kind of like expressed some concern that it was a closed event, which is technically allowed according to UCLA's policy when the event isn't funded by UCLA. So 
the there was the controversy started there, and people started getting to know about the event. And as we came closer to the date of the conference, the LA City Council recently passed a resolution calling on UCLA to cancel the event completely. You also had earlier before that Representative Brad Sherman, who is a congressman from San Fernando Valley, I believe. He called he called on UCLA to cancel the event as well, stating that SJP promotes anti-Semitism. And UCLA's and Chancellor Gene Block's response to these has been the same. He said that SJP has the right to hold a conference here at UCLA and they're protected by the First Amendment. As I understand it, there's also been a lot of sort of coverage from Jewish publications and pro-Israel publications of this conference that hasn't been rather that endearing of NSJP and sort of what's been said or NSJP and the conference that they're they're trying to host. Um, and so what, what's gone from there? Has UCLA taken any action in response to this criticism and sort of blowback from the public? Their response has actually been kind of interesting because on one hand, you know, there's been this very clear affirmation from um, Gene Block. Uh, you know, he wrote that editorial or op-ed in the LA Times, and he said, this is going to happen. Um, they have a right to hold the conference here. We're not going to cancel it. But on the other hand, you also have some interesting stuff. And where this gets a little murky um, has to do with the way UCLA has kind of been handling their trademark rights around the program. Um, so I don't know if our listeners have seen it yet, but there was a flyer that was circulating that essentially had the name of the conference, had that it was being held at UCLA, but it didn't say at UCLA. It said uh, SJP Conference UCLA and then had the iconography of a bear um, kind of holding a kite. Now, on a side-by-side comparison, the bear doesn't look like Joe Bruin or any other kind of logo that um, UCLA has. But there was a cease and desist letter issued essentially stating um, that the, na- the name in conjunction with the use of a bear um, kind of implied some sort of UCLA official sponsorship of the conference. And from there, there was a cease and desist and a threat to shut down the conference if the logo continued existing um, as it did. So that's kind of where we are now. And I think SJP has changed the logo and Gene Block has since said the, the conference is going to go on. But there's a little murkiness there. Okay, that's pretty interesting. So it looks like UCLA was sort of engaging in a bit of a trademark dispute with the conference members. Um, as far as I understand it, also like ACLU of California got involved with this trademark dispute. And there are also some councils and other national groups that sort of got involved. And from the looks of it, is UCLA to still look to be canceling the event from this? Um, as far as I know, no. Uh, the, the word on the street now is that the event is still going to happen. Um, it's protected by First Amendment. And so far, the administration hasn't buckled under pressure. But that's not to say there has been an immense amount of outside pressure on this event and UCLA's decision to host it. Clearly, there's a lot happening. And there are a lot of like tensions are pretty high. Um, in fact, actually, right now, as we're recording this, there is an Undergraduate Student Association Council or USAC meeting going on where council members have been questioning Administrative Vice Chancellor Michael Beck. In the previous council meeting, there were tensions were pretty high where pro-Israel students and pro-Palestinian students were arguing about the conference and the council was sort of debating about whether to pass a resolution in support of the con- the conference. Um, it's not clear whether that's been passed yet. We'll probably get an update later tonight since that ended up getting delayed to this week. So mm-hmm. looks like students, students are rather divided on this conference. And so while we're at it, why not pose the million dollar question? Do you guys think the conference should go on? I'll start with you, Abhishek. 
I mean, yeah, it's protected by the First Amendment, so it should go on. Usually it doesn't really have a legal grounding, regardless of what's going to happen at the conference, to cancel it, because then they'll be violating the Constitution as a public university. Chris? I mean, I'm in the same boat as Abhishek with this one. I Like, I understand the university's right to protect their name, to protect their reputation, to say, you know, we don't want to associate with what's going on here. And I, I see that as fine. But the same point token, I argue not only that the university has a, a, a legal obligation as a public university to continue to not cancel this conference, but also that, you know, there needs to be and there should be a space for the kind of dialogue that's being brought up here. Um, and I think not the anti-Semitism, of course, but the specific political dialogue surrounding Palestinian and surrounding pro-Palestinian movements is something that needs to be debated and discussed on campuses. Okay, so I guess I'll kick it to another question, which is like, what do you think the implications of this conference for campus will be? And what are your sort of thoughts on the effects it'll have since this will end, you know, after this weekend and we'll still have to, campus will still go on after this, after this rather divisive event? Well, I'd like to think that maybe there won't be any large effects from this. Like, I'm going to assume that the conference is going to keep its speakers list under covers because it is a closed event. They haven't released the speakers list yet. And there might be, like, some protests around the event, but I feel like there won't be any long-standing effects from it. Life will go on. I also, from my opinion, I feel that this is not inherently a provocative event. I don't think you can necessarily equate it to events like, you know, Ben Shapiro or Miley Yiannopoulos, where these speakers are coming and not only is there controversy surround them being invited, but once they come, there is provocative statements made. There are specifically like um, inflaming of tensions at the event. You know, if I had to have my prediction, I feel like the speakers list is going to be, if it's released, it's going to be fairly conservative. You're not going to find a name on the list that is associated with specific anti-Semitic comments or anything like that. I think SJP, from what I understand, knows that they're in the spotlight. They know this event is under the microscope. And um, I'd like to think they're going to act accordingly and kind of keep it um, to a purely political, to a purely kind of intellectual discussion. Um, so aside from, you know, maybe some protests on the outside, like Abhishek was saying, I don't really think we're going to get something big and divisive and, um, you know, clickbaity coming out of this. Uh, I think it's going to happen. <laughs> So I guess what's been interesting is how UCLA has sort of been responding in what can some, what some can see as a sort of like a contradictory way to public denunciation about its event. On one hand, um, it got, you know, letters from prominent local and, you know, national officials are not really sure if Brad Sherman is a high ranking congressman, but I doubt that. <laughs> sorry, Simi Valley. Um, but, uh, or Simi, or Simi Hills, actually. He's from San Fernando Valley and Eastern Simi Hills. Um, but, uh, getting back to the topic at hand, um, the administration sort of in response to criticism said, you know, free speech must go on, that, uh, UCLA will not cancel the event. But on the same hand, you had it sort of trying to remove a bear and the mention of UCLA from a logo. And, you know, from the looks of it, the original logo had the phrase UCLA 2018, mm -hmm. which I think to any like normal human being is like, oh, that's location. It doesn't really seem like UCLA is affiliated with it, except for being the host of this place or the location, the venue of this. Um, but, you know, UCLA threatened, uh, you know, to cancel the event. And you know, my central Michael Beck in his season does this letter said the logo could be seen as um, something that could be seen as like provocative or provoking violence. And that's sort of drawn criticism because 
that's sort of more of an ideological judgment rather than like a trademark judgment. You know, I think there's a bigger issue at here, and that is American trademark laws. Because the university, just like any other big corporation in America, is very defensive over its trademarks. And that's basically what's happening here. It sees its trademark, it sees a bear, and it's like, oh, that's UCLA. That's what corporations do. They see random objects and they draw the line to it, and that's what UCLA has done here. I take it that's not a, that's not a good thing then. Never is. You know, I've, as a columnist, I've kind of covered this topic pretty extensively. And from my point of view, you know, first of all, I, I see what Abhishek is saying about specifically trademarks and kind of how, um, you know, big corporations have kind of been overzealous about that. And, you know, in my own coverage, um, I've seen that specifically in the way they, they, they handle um, student groups and specifically students trying to buy t-shirts and stuff like that. I see this as a separate issue. Um, cause I think because the conference is so divisive, because it is drawing a lot of outside attention, um, I think this is a specific instance where the university is in its purview, um, to make sure that its name and its reputation are protected. Because when you're dealing with something like this, you know, the obvious thing here is Chancellor Block, the university, the campus community does not want to be seen as sponsoring this event or taking a side on this. And I think that that is well within the right to do. What I personally would have liked to see better is kind of distinguishing that. Maybe issue the cease and desist without saying, without originally threatening to cancel the conference. You know, maybe not having that language in there immediately and then following it up with that if they refuse to comply with it. I mean, I see why they did it and I understand like their point of view on this specific instance, but also, you know, as we've talked about, it was a little predatory and it did kind of give mixed signals. Just for reference, Vice-Chancellor Beck, just, who's right now at the, as we speak, at the undergraduate student government meeting, he just said, I do not believe there were personal politics in the cease and desist letter. I'm going to have to jump in and say that's kind of BS, because the cease and desist letter basically said, the logo to some may seem to provoke violence and we don't want to associate with that, which is effectively saying UCLA doesn't want to appear to, to some to take an ideological stance, which is an overly conservative sort of stands to me because it's like Joe Bruin has been shown doing multiple things. When you put Joe Bruin on a, a pride flag on Joe Bruin, that to some may appear to go against their religion. I mean, come on, we're talking about marriage clerks and whatnot in other states that people may be coming from that they may not agree with. Right? It's like it's sort of echoing Lobby Shake says, like at, at some point, this is a public university, like Joe Bruin's going to be shown in something. That doesn't mean UCLA is going to should go chasing after people with like lo with lawsuits and whatnot. I don't know. Like, I understand that argument conceptually, and I can kind of see how you'd see it as conservative. But I think it's also, like, you need to put it within the context of what's going on. Like, because this event is under such a microscope, because there are so many outside groups involved, like, UCLA is under a lot of pressure from these outside groups. And I think it's very clear that many of them, in their coverage of the event, in the way that they're responding to the event are seeing this as UCLA taking a clear ideological stand. And because they're perceiving it as that, I think that fulfills the prophecy there, right? Because that's already happening, then why can't the university take steps to protect its name, right? So it's not like they're just saying, oh, somebody may associate, like it, they are being associated with it because in part, because of the way this is perceived. So that's not grounds to cancel the event or try and like stamp it out. Like I'm not arguing that, but I can definitely see how you as an entity faced with that kind of misconstruction and like criticism 
would try and protect your brand. Um, maybe not in as aggressive a way as they did, but like definitely using the tools at your disposal. Well, clearly there are a lot of opinions and we can go on for a long time about this, but we're going to have to call a break and we'll be back with a very different topic, scooters. Yes, we are laughing at some footage to die for. UCPD officer falling face flat in Wilson Plaza. Yes, we are going to be talking about that viral video on Twitter and probably on Facebook at this point showing UCPD officers going on like these sort of V-styled scooters just sort of zipping around uh, uh, Wilson Plaza. And then one of the officers like takes too sharp a turn and just goes splat on the ground. He was riding on the grass for some reason, and then boom. Yeah, I sort of went from all terrain to just terrain. But yeah, you know, this is capturing the student attention, the student eye. And I know Chris has had some strong thoughts about this. He was telling us in the break. So lay lay it on us, Chris. You know, I feel like this is really my day for the podcast, because in addition to being the trademark guy, I'm also the scooter guy. Um, So I'd like to say a few things about this. First of all, I've been pitching scooters to UCPD for like the past year. Like, um, uh, so I'm glad they're finally embracing them because, you know, you can be much more efficient on a scooter. What I don't understand is why they're weird and V-shaped. Um, if you haven't seen the video yet, listeners, you, you gotta see it. They're like, uh, really, really weird. Um, anyway, but I think what we have here is a little bit of hypocrisy coming from, from UCPD. Um, specifically since like, I don't think they're, Normal people are allowed to ride scooters in Wilson Plaza, especially not on, on the grass and on the dirt. So I see here kind of like UCPD catching up, um, to where the rest of the campus has been for the last year. And this really starts to beg the question, like, when are we going to start integrating spaces for scooters in campus and in Westwood proper? I just want to point out that the scooters, that the scooters UCPD was riding in this video, they had police written on the sides, which means they specifically have these devices for themselves. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, this is, they look, and they look really weird and funny on these. They're like a version of Paul Blart, Mall Cop, <laughs> with their Segway riding around Wilson Plaza, thinking they're all hip and with the kids and fresh. You know, it's really weird and it's creeping me out. What what I'm just really interested in is that, like, ECPD, like, we just saw an example of officers falling. Like, what kind of safety gear are they going to be wearing? Like, because they've been, their big thing is that, hey, if you ride scooters, you should have helmets because you, you know, there have been accidents and whatnot. Like, what do they have to wear now? Like, full body gear, like a face mask and stuff? Because they're, they can be going, like, full throttle into the ground if they're not careful. I mean, yeah. And, you know, if you see the officers in the video, they're wearing pads, padding, they're wearing... Um, um, helmets and obviously safety is a concern with these type of things. But at the same time, I think we're also just starting to see here kind of a, kind of a catch up, right? Like scooters are more versatile. 
um, especially for officers on campus. There's not a lot of the campus is not accessible immediately by car. They're um, better for admissions. You know, you police cars. If you get out of them, you have to keep them running. Um, and they're just all around like a better mode of transportation. So what I want to see here is now that the police force is kind of caught up with this, you know, they specifically allocated funding for it. They specifically bought them. Um, when are they going to start? When is campus infrastructure going to start catching up with kind of the innovations here? Because we're seeing their applications across all fields. You know? I can answer that question. It's never going to happen. You know what? UCLA should just open like its own scooter on demand service and call it Bear because Bird, Lyft, and Lime are taken, and then then you can just screw over the competition because it's you just pay it with your Bruin card. How do you know Michael Vec won't send the season desist letters for them for the name? <laughs> but that's because UCLA would be creating it. He'll send one anyway. Oh wow! You know what we really need Bird Lanes. Okay, you put a Bird Lane on Bruin Walk, save everybody some time. And then, you know, UCPD officers wouldn't have to be driving on the grass, you know. Well, folks, I guess it's going to be a busy week this week. We've got an ideologically divisive conference and we have UCPD officers running into the ground. It's going to be quite the spectacle after this USC game. I wonder if those two things are going to happen at the same time. (laughs) Wouldn't that be a recipe for disaster? We'll catch you all next week in our next No Offense podcast. And be sure to tune in to Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud or even just dailybrewing.com slash radio to get the latest and greatest in podcast land. Just as an update, we wanted to note that the Undergraduate Student Association Council passed the resolution unanimously to support the NSJP conference in spite of administrative threats to shut it down. The conference is taking place November 16th to 18th.